you can't be so ESG woke that you take your company broke, right? <laughs> so you've got to find the balance between the two. And you can't be so Wall Street that you forget about Main Street. And those two factors have to come into play when you think through the business value proposition for ESG for a company. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I am thrilled to have with me Mandy McReynolds. Mandy is with Workiva, a well-known player in the compliance space, but we're not going to talk about compliance. We're going to talk about ESG compliance and Workiva's role in that. So Mandy, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I've listened to the podcast and it's a real privilege to be here with you and your listeners. So I look forward to having some fun today. Great. So could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Absolutely. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent the last 15 years working across four different industries in environment, social, and governance. Started out a lot of deep in the S discipline and have the wonderful honor and privilege to work for Workiva, which you so eloquently introduced to those listening today. My job involves what our CEO likes to say, two jobs. So yes, I try to fit 48 hours into 24 hours in that day. I get the honor and privilege to help us integrate ESG across our global company with our executives and our board, as well as serve as a subject matter expert to our team that is developing our ESG reporting product and platform. And so I get to sit with anywhere from our UX designers to our over 4,300 customers struggling with how they use ESG in an effective way, both from the compliance angle to the market angle. So, Mandy, one of the reasons I was so excited to visit with you is because Workiva is both a product and service provider around ESG, but you're also a consumer of ESG. So I wanted to start with, if you could say a few words about Workiva's ESG program, who are the stakeholders, what's the Workiva roadmap, and then we'll move into the services and products you provide for the general customer base. Well, absolutely. We've been on an ESG journey since 2021. The company brought me in to help work with our executive team. And like any of you listening and yourself, you know it's a team sport. So what I often tell people is the best thing that you do is put together your executive team. So we have an ESG task force that reports into the nominating governance committee of the board. And that was the first step that we took in our journey. That includes different lenses from our CFO to our chief administrative officer and legal to our communications team, and really thinking about how we deliver both business and societal value in a responsible way to our stakeholders. I love that you asked the stakeholder question because that is the big key for me is if you're going to do ESG, you can't know your business value or society value unless you actually communicate and talk to your stakeholders. So when I think of stakeholders, I think of internal and external. Internal for us is the owners and founders of the company and our employees. External is looking at our supply chain, our investors, governance and governments as we work around the world on regulation and looking at how that may shape the future of ESG, not only for our business, 
but also for our customers. And that leads us to the final stakeholder that I think is so wonderful, our customers. (laughs) So our 4,300 of them that we get to serve for all their financial and non-financial reporting. And that's who we wake up every day and think about when we think about those external stakeholders. You know, it's really interesting. You really started with collaboration and it's a team effort. I interviewed a woman this morning who is a a nationally recognized speaker. And I asked her, so what are you hearing in these speeches about returning to work? And she said, Tom, that's not what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is how do we build a better culture through collaboration? So that's great that you guys have started with a collaboration and built out from there. So I found that really interesting. But let's turn to the products and services that were Kiva delivers to the broader market, because I can't say enough good stuff about Workiva, and I won't go too deep into it, but I know you guys really well from the internal controls perspective. How have you been able to bring over or branch over Workiva platform to an ESG platform? That's the beauty of the platform. I love that you know us from the controls realm. Others might know us from global reporting to tax to the 16 different avenues that people use a platform. And an end-to-end platform means that we're able to really holistically approach reporting for all parts of the business. That includes finance and non-financial as you look at environment social governance. And I can tell you from my own story and experience, I I shared a little bit at the beginning, I grew up in the Estes one. I lived through philanthropy tech for corporations. And I went through a lot of merger and acquisitions for people to get it right. And so as I transitioned the company over with our environment, social, and governance, I knew technology had to catch up because we were spending over 563 hours on Q1 ESG reporting alone. And that is not sustainable. When I talk to those in the practice who are building across their company these teams, They're hitting upwards of 1,000 this past year hours for reporting. So I knew that it was going to take a platform that was really well-known, like Workiva. I knew it was going to take somebody who understood the financial controls because as regulation was coming in Europe and teams were preparing for that, that we needed somebody who understood assurance and audibility. And so as I met with the Workiva team, what I was so impressed by was this idea that they could simplify the process of it really build in the linking technology where you could go to the true source of information. I'm not dependent, as you know, in the compliance world on a subject matter expert entering an error. I can see and maybe pull it in from another source or system. All the way to what could the future of reporting look like as boards and investors are interested in data that can be trusted, that they can build decisions on for the future of the business. So it really is a holistic platform that gives all those viabilities to those of us working in the field. And it really simplifies the work at an incredible level that allows us to focus our teams more on growth drivers than necessarily reporting. Mandy, my journey to internal controls was something along the lines of the following. I was a general counsel and chief compliance officer, and someone would come talk to me about internal controls. I said, oh, no, no, no. That's those people down the hall. I'm a lawyer. I do cool stuff. Please don't talk to me about that. And so they did. Then in 2014, I read the COSO Internal Controls Framework. And I said, who wrote this? This is compliance. Mm -hmm. And this huge light bulb went off in my head that that's what internal controls are. 
And so I became a huge evangelist for internal controls. And I would give talks about this. And you could tell the lawyers in the room. And you could tell the internal control people in the room. Because the internal control people were going, yeah. And the lawyers had their eyes roll inside their head because they were where I was. But that led me to write a long time about internal controls is truly the backbone and framework of a best practices compliance program. I say that as an introduction to ask, when you have that discussion now with clients or potential clients, do they understand that same journey? Do they understand that internal controls is actually the backbone of your ESG program? And the faster you can have that insight, but to move to a technological solution that really puts internal controls into the framework of what you're doing, the more efficient you will be. That's right. What people are realizing is it takes your compliance team, your finance team, and your sustainability team to come together, agree on the business drivers, for one, what are the KPIs, and then agree on the process and the systems that can help support the work moving forward so that you can deliver and execute what investors and your stakeholders can trust. And the only way you can do that is sitting across the table from people who have different expertise to add that value to the discussion. We put together an ESG leader playbook, and it was really fun. I sat with my colleague who's an expert in SEC. I am not an expert in SEC. And together, we co-wrote the book and talked about how can these two teams come together and create those things that can drive value for the business, as well as the process as these teams come together. And technology is this tool that can facilitate it in a really efficient way. You and I both know if you're going to do great controls, you can't do it on an Excel spreadsheets and you absolutely can't do it in email. We have to get out of that and put it into as much rigor on the financial side that we've had for years, like you said, back in 2014. So last week I interviewed someone and he said everything in compliance should start with the business case. So when you sit down with a potential customer and they may have one eyebrow up questioning why they should move or look at the Workiva ESG platform. What's the business case that you would present to them? I'm in 100% agreement with that statement. It's about the business case. I often say to teams, you have to look at ESG from both the societal impact value driver and the business value driver. And when we think about ESG, you've got to start with getting the team assembled and then delivering on your strategy by materiality assessment and stakeholder engagement. If you don't do those things first, you're then just starting to shoot off a random information that may not come together in a complete story. And so I think it's really important for teams to stop and say, what's the strategic value that we can deliver on? We put together a materiality assessment book. We're looking at how technology can integrate both materiality assessment, stakeholder engagement, as well as these forward-looking disclosures and control. So it's an end-to-end -end system that can support your ESG program. Once you understand the business value drivers, that's when you start to get into the idea of tech and talent. And so assembling the team, utilizing the business value drivers of why you're going to invest, where you're gonna invest, and then identify your tech and talent that can facilitate that together. Mandy. You've talked about the various stakeholders that Workiva has, and I'd like to take that and broaden that out into stakeholders that your clients or potential clients would have. 
I want to start by focusing on investors or shareholders, the financial side of things, and then regulators, whether it be the SEC, a state body, or even an international body if you're an international company with a business in the EU. What does the Orkiva ESG platform, how does it allow a company to communicate with those two very disparate groups? You have to look at it as the platform can help bring these global regulatory frameworks together in one system. And so as you look at what's happening in the EU taxonomy with the SEC, where do these two uh, global regulations overlap? And so you're not always disclosing to separate entities. There might be things that cross over between the two that you can bring it into in-house and see how one disclosure might meet all the different regulations or frameworks. So we know that TCFD has been selected as a framework in Singapore and in the UK. If you align there, how does that fit the other regulation? So that creates some seamlessness there. As you think about stakeholders, we hear from stakeholders all around our company and different technologies and tools are used to hear stakeholders. You might have Salesforce where you're communicating with your customers. You might have a different system that tracks RFPs from their customers. You might have a different system that then is about your employees in a workforce engagement system. When you bring all that data into the Workiva platform through our strategic linking technology and API technology, you can begin to look at that stakeholder data in a way that helps you see the holistic picture with some work that you might already be doing. From there, you can choose as an entity or as a business or as, as a task force reporting into the board, what other stakeholder engagement do we need to do? Where are there holes that we might want to consider to go out and gather more information, whether that's through a qualitative interview or through a quantitative survey to bring a holistic picture to what our stakeholders care about as it relates to environment, social, and governance? So you mentioned a couple of different international protocols or regulations that are in place, and we may see more from SASB or other international groups. How does the or Kiva platform, how are you able to accommodate literally regulations from across the globe? What I love about our platform is we have an ESG explorer, a framework explorer. And what it does is it combines regulation with then some of the frameworks that you listed, SASB, TCFD, UN Global Compact, CDP. And it allows for participant to see how are the disclosures that I currently have today map over to those frameworks? And then how do those frameworks also cross with one another? And this creates several efficiencies for our customers, as well as for my team, right? So our team at Workiva, we're not having to comb through various websites or dig into like this PDF over here on this website. We're able to use the framework manager to mark the data that we have, as well as connect the data that we have to those frameworks and decrease the amount of staff time that's needed to go comb through all of it. Mandy, as you mentioned, you've been in this space for quite some time. We may have called it ESG, but you were directly in, yet someone else said, what's the most important letter in ESG? It's the P, the people. And you've been in the people part for quite some time. So I wanted to maybe turn to some of the observations that I've heard you make or seen you make, and I'm going to have to read these. Number one. Financial value has always been intrinsically linked to ESG reporting. Uh, what did it uh, mean by that? 
As we think about that, and I appreciate that you called out the P, and I shared in that piece that you were reading, it was about Larry Fink's opening letter annually. Individuals listen to it often. And it's really important to understand that the business value driver decisions that you make, let's talk about the S when it comes to your people. When we think about workforce and workforce turnover or workforce engagement, those matter. And those data-driven decisions can often tell us, are you going to fight within your workforce? Or is this going to be a challenge for you for your future growth? As we look at environment considerations, we're not just talking about, do you care about the planet and have trash pickup days, which is a great engagement strategy. We're talking about, how are you prepared for what climate can do as it relates to your transitional risk or your transformational risk? As you run scenarios, are you thinking about the financial cost? Should carbon taxing come into play? These issues are interconnected, and we have to begin to think about them not as separate, but as all together, because what happens in S is going to impact G. What happens in G is going to impact E. And each have both a financial and a societal impact that we together need to look at it from both lens. You said something really interesting that leads into the next area I want to explore, which is basically capitalism. And we've talked about ESG almost as a standalone thing, that we have ESG, we're monitoring, we're assessing, and we're reporting on ESG. But you just said it's a lot broader than that. It's about overall risk management. So could you tell us about those types of conversations you have? And do business executives really understand this is a super business process that, if properly implemented, can help you manage what we used to call black swan risks and are now just risks going forward. That's right. You know, I think it's really important when you enter into the ESG space, and this is what I challenge individuals going into it to think about. You can't be so ESG woke that you take your company broke, right? <laughs> so you've got to find the balance between the two. And you can't be so Wall Street that you forget about Main Street. And those two factors have to come into play when you think through the business value proposition for ESG for a company. And I think it's not only coming at it from investor demands. We did a global survey and we found that over 70% are using ESG to drive their individual investment decisions. We're also seeing it play out in consumer demands. So think about for Workiva, when I look at the evaluation of RFPs, both from here and around the world, our customers are asking, what is our plan when we think about the environment, when we think about our people or the communities of which we are a part, and how are we living up to those commitments? And oh, by the way, if you don't have that in clear and transparentable way that we can see it on your website, within your reporting, you won't make it into the RFP process in certain countries right now. So we have to be very serious about not only the investor considerations that are happening in the market, but also the new consumer considerations that are coming at it. This is a business imperative. It's not a nice to have. So I was going to talk about this is how you get funding. This is how you get insurance. But you're saying, oh, no, Tom, this is how you get on an RFP list. Yes. And that really speaks to a business process driving literally business across the globe, really seeing it down to that level. Absolutely. I looked at RFPs and what surprised me, so we're a tech company. 
And when you look at the ESG issues that are most material to your business, we don't own our own data server providers. Those are purchased through third-party providers. So think about our environmental footprint. It's not even as big as it is for other companies or industries where it can be significant based on how their operations are. Yet that in the RFP was the number one question that we were getting asked by our customers, particularly in the European market. Why it's so important to consider it as a business imperative and what your stakeholders are telling you is that told me that we really needed to take seriously what is within our financial and operational control and what is within our influence control to deliver opportunities that are good for the planet and demonstrate that to our customers. So I'd like to uh, now ask you to maybe put on your prognosticator hat and look down the road. And I'm afraid I'm going to use a terrible phrase, which is mid-century or <laughs> five years from now. It still bothers me when I say that. But oh, man. <laughs> where, yeah. Where do you see the technological component of ESG going down the road? I think we're going to see more advancements in scenario planning. I think we're going to see more advancements in forward-looking promises, goals, and KPIs, and then how with data you can backwards work and manipulate it to see if you're on track for those goals, will you maintain those goals, what are simulations you can do with the data to see how that could shape your future direction as you go into board meetings or into your enterprise risk management, I think those kinds of tools are going to only advance in the next couple of years. And I believe they're going to be critical to ensure that we're not purpose washing or greenwashing, that companies are really able to live up to the promises that they put out there. Because what you talked about sort of coming of the mid-century, I'm always like, there's all these promises out there to 2050 or 2040. And in order for companies to deliver on their commitments, they have to start telling consumers and stakeholders about where they are, where they've been, and where they're going. And in order to do that, I think we're going to see incredible advances in technology in a very short amount of time. Well, Mandy, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or Kiva or really any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go? Absolutely. would love to connect with any of your listeners. We have a podcast called ESG Talk as well, so certainly subscribe. We are on Twitter with at ESG Talk, so feel free to follow along on the conversation there, or they can simply follow Connect With Me on LinkedIn. We're delighted to continue the conversation. This was a lot of fun, so thank you so much for having me. Well, Mandy, I hope we can continue this conversation. Would love to. Talk soon.